This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. What's up, everybody? I'm JJ John Stramski. And I'm Jason Goff. And if you haven't heard, The Ringer has gone local. I'm bringing the fire. I'm bringing the rain from the Big Apple with my show, New York, New York. And I'm repping Chi-Town with my new show, The Full Go on All Things Chicago. We've got episodes three nights a week with all the reaction to the local teams and guests. Plus bonus episodes around all the big games and storylines. So whether you're uptown, downtown, in the burbs, or a transplant. Make sure you follow New York, New York, and The Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. It is the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Kevin Clark, joined today by Ben Solak, Danny Kelly, Nor Princiati is en route to Los Angeles. We're at Radio Row. Steven Ruiz is not here. He's protesting Justin Herbert not being in the game. Uh, we've got a great show. It's going to be predictions, uh, not just the game score, although we'll get to that, but also just what's going to happen in this game. How does this play out? What are the different scenarios? Let's get to it. I just want to get this out on the record. Uh, Ben Solak, you said Danny Kelly's photo was adorable. Yeah, mm. uh, you didn't say anything about mine. You've already broken down this photo. You were in England. Yeah, no, I know. But I mean, like I just got there was some feedback. <laughs> some feedback that Danny's was adorable. Uh, Danny's has a kid, so why don't you, you know, grab one of those? I have a scarf, then, buddy. Got the advantage. That's yeah. a nice scarf. It is a good. It's a good looking scarf. It's a nice I'm give scarf. You that scarf. I wish we were back at the Super Bowl in Minneapolis. I could show off my scarves. I got some good scarves. I don't wish we were in Minneapolis. Oddly enough, we're in LA. I'm baby. okay with being in Los Angeles. We're on Radio Row. Um, there's some. Some some radio folks who are pretty loud in our vicinity. Some din, the um, background din. Yeah. <laughs> some background din. But we're going to predict the Super Bowl, not just game mm-hmm. score, but what's going to happen this week, what's going to happen in the game, outside of scores, uh, a lot to get to. Danny Kelly, I want to start with you. Yo. Who's going to win this game? So I'm going with the Rams. I don't actually want to go with the Rams because I do have some latent like Seahawks fandom in there, and I don't want to oh, root yeah. for the NFC oh, West. Come on. Still so lingering. I kind of want the Bengals to win because they're a fun story. I just think that the Rams are the better team, and I'm I'm a Stafford believer. I think he's going to have a good game, so that's what I'm going with. Stafford matches up how against his defense? Well, I think obviously the big question is, um, you know, what are the Bengals going to do to try and get Stafford to turn the ball over because mm-hmm. obviously he's had these bouts in the past with just really bizarre what are you doing type turnovers um so like you guys broke it down on the gambling show like are they going to blitz him he's very good against the blitz they probably don't want to do that um so are they going to coax him into making a bad decision i think that is going to be sort of like the matchup to watch what are they doing when they're rushing three or rushing four is he going to be able to dump it off and kind of like take what they're giving him or is he going to try and push down the field and and make a mistake we'll see but i think that's going to be you know, like the question of the game in terms of the Rams offense. And so um, 
I don't know. I, I think he's just going to be – I think he's going to make good decisions. I think he's going to play well. Um, he's got Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham. I don't know. Feeling good about it. Ben, how does the Bengals defense – how does Big Lou – uh, Big ske- Lou scheme up mistakes. <laughs> Is that what we're calling him? I'm very fine with Big Lou. I think that's, okay. that, that's it's good. because um, yeah. it's because Ruiz was unsure on Anarumo. Yep. And so I just said that's call him Big There's Lou. There's more vowels than you expect. <laughs> There's a whole four syllables. Can I say something? Okay. I don't want to call anybody out, but I was listening to the Chris Collinsworth podcast the other day. Wow. And direct um, call out. No, 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 no. Yeah, I, yeah, it's yeah, an amazing yeah, podcast. Yeah, I love Chris. He sped up when he said Lou Anarumo. A pro move. And I really think they <laughs> maybe like I think that there's just a large <laughs> scale I'm not totally sure how to pronounce his last name, whether that's me, Collinsworth, Ruiz, like we, we it's a you, yeah. we're, we're speeding up when we the say thing it. Is it, it. You look at it and you go, that's a lot. And you just know that, that there's too many to like riddle out live as you just go. Last name I've never seen before. Okay. Yeah, yeah right, exactly. Um, okay. So how does Big Lou Anarumo uh, scheme up Stafford mistakes. Right. So Danny alluded to it. We talked about it on the gambling show a little bit. You don't want to blitz him, right? But Stafford this year has looked really poor against three-man rushes, drop eight coverage, right? And this is what the Bengals did a ton of against the Chiefs and against Mahomes. On 45% of Mahomes' drop backs in the second half, they dropped eight. It was one of the highest incidences of drop eight. They ran all season. The Chiefs have seen all season. And what it was essentially saying was, listen, we probably can't beat you, so we're going to make you run as many plays as possible, throw the ball as short as possible, have to be mistake-free in your execution, and hopefully, and this is what they got from Mahomes in the second half, get a little bit uncomfortable, get a little bit impatient, and, and make that mistake. And, and if we've seen Mahomes do that, he's been very mature this year, we've definitely seen Stafford do it, right? Stafford has those two or three throws a game where he's like, aha, triple coverage. It would be a shame <laughs> if someone threw directly into this, right? And that's what you're trying to uh, elicit when you run this drop eight stuff. I will say that that stat and that framework has been floating around a lot over the last week. And I looked at it, and there's 43 total Stafford dropbacks against drop eight. So there's a chance we're just really jumping at some really, really juked numbers because of how small the sample is. But in general, you're not going to blitz him. You're going to do what you did against Mahomes, which is rush four, drop seven, rush three, drop eight. Make this Rams offense be laborious, make them be precise, and hopefully slow the game down enough you can keep it close, and then Burrow can work his magic on the other side. Who's going to win this game? I think the Rams win it. Hmm. And, and, and I, was, I was talking with this about, uh, about this with Danny earlier. I think the Rams win it for the same reason that I thought the Bengals have law, would lose every single playoff game they've played. I picked the Raiders, the Titans, and the Chiefs. <laughs> and every single time it was like, well. Now I don't feel great about my Rams <laughs> Well, And that's the thing, right? Is every yeah. single time, like, well, there's no way they can get away with this again. There's no way they can sure. get away with. They can't keep deep, getting yeah, away with. Exactly. <laughs> these deep outside targets. This average running game, this horrible right side of their line, this lack of an elite cover guy, and then every single week, they get away with it. And I don't know if I'm just massively underrating the effects of Evan McPherson or what, but like <laughs> this Bengals team, it has felt untenable for a bit. And uh, you know, I, I've I've rode this horse the whole way here. It's practically dead. I'm gonna ride it one more time. This is actually how I Bengals feel too. can't get it done. I've been on the Stafford train yeah. all year, and I'm like, I can't get off now. Yeah, yeah. They just made it to the Super Bowl. So I just want to chart the journey. <laughs> Kevin's pulling some strong Bengals process on me. We're about to get to the ultimate Solak slash Ruiz take. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna just get put it in Ruiz's mouth because he, he would say <laughs> he, that he was here. That. Not only do wins not matter, Super Bowls don't matter no. as well. <laughs> Super Bowl is not a team stat. Am I impressed by what you do? Yes or no? 
If so, you're a good team. <laughs> no, you're a bad team. That's why in the middle of the year, I was like, yo, the Detroit Lions are kind of fun. Because they were just like generally better than I expected. <laughs> so I was like, all right, Lions must be good now. Frisky. All things are relative to you my expectations. You describe a team in the Super Bowl as un- in an untenable situation. <laughs> I'm, it, I'm rejecting that. It feels like a house of cards. I, I'll put it to you this way. I see one of two games playing out. I see a very low-scoring game that the Bengals are able to stay in and they're able to play their, their way. And then it kind of comes down to that Joe Burrow last possession, which their, their last couple games have come down to. Yeah. Or I see Rams taking them to the woodshed for four quarters. And that's like just the that's, first half of the Yeah, and that's just AFC the impression I have for the Bengals team. Is I, I, I struggle to see this offense generating a ton of points against the Rams, and I see this defense with weaknesses the Rams can exploit. But again, I can't emphasize this enough. I've seen this in previous matchups, and I've been wrong every single time. So the Bengals clearly they have something that I'm not able to put my thumb on. So I'm going to pick the Bengals. Um, I'm picking them 27-20, something like that. Take the under, but just slightly. I like it. I said this on the Ron Russo podcast this morning, and I went on deep on some some Joe Burrow stories, and I'm, I'm not going not gonna to do all that here. What I will say is that I'm, I feel like I'm going to regret not picking Joe Burrow if I didn't pick him. Yeah, Does that right. make sense? Um, I just feel like sometimes things are happening. I don't like you. I don't, don't totally understand it. Right. But I kind of feel like we can – Every Super Bowl winner tends to make sense in hindsight, right? Like, okay, this roster was stacked. They had a bunch of guys on good contracts, whatever. And I kind of feel like we're going to look back on five years in five years, and this will be the Joe Burrow run. And, and there's a reason this is all happening. I think that some of the weaknesses of the Bengals have, have helped them in a weird way. What I mean by that is everyone knows the offensive line is quite bad. Right. And they adjusted to that by getting the ball out quicker. Uh, two weeks ago against the against the Chiefs, um, they, I think I think his average uh, depth of target was something like four point five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Burrow, it was one of the shortest games um, to play. Two weeks, yeah. Uh, they understand what they what they can't do at this right. point. Everybody understands that. Brian Callahan, the OC, Joe Burrow, Zach Taylor, they're not going to play the deep ball with Jamar Chase. That will not be happening. But he can process. Burrow can process. He can throw into tight windows. He can do things where you can exploit the middle of the field. Seth Green had that great piece um, the other day about how basically the Rams linebackers might struggle with all of this happening. Um, I think there's, that's probably there's some validity to that. I understand how dominant the Rams front seven can be. Um, but I also understand that Burrow can process, get the ball out quickly, and, and, and neutralize some of that. There are enough targets. There's guys out in routes. I can see the way this is sort of trending, and I'm going Burrow. Danny Kelly, push back on it. So I think it's going to be a really close game. My prediction is 21-19 Rams. I do think, and this is a cliche, I realize that, but this is going to be one of those games where like three or four plays really sort of change the complexion of the game. Um, but don't you want Burrow in that spot? Yeah, and that's why. Don't you I'm, want situational like football? Torn. Don't you want Burrow scampering on third and seven? The thing is, like, we love that Burrow scamper on third and seven. That was one of his first and most effective scampers of the year. <laughs> and generally, he has not been a scamperer. Scamper. Did you watch him in college? He scampered. Yeah, but that in was the league, which is decisively injury. different yeah. than college. There's been fewer scampers. He scampers when he needs to. Situational <laughs> scampering. Scampering. Unscampering. He's situationally scampering. scamperer. That is so powerful. Yeah. We're setting a land speed record for scamperers <laughs> for podcasts. Um, but no, I think, yeah, like I, I agree. In those high leverage situations, like you want to trust that Burrow is going to come through in the clutch. Also, they have Evan McPherson, who sure. has been insanely just clutch. 12, 12, I believe, in the playoffs. Yeah, like Does the, it just not say time. anything about the team of the Bengals that we've legitimately mentioned their kicker as part of the analysis twice like that's the sort of team we're talking about he's a a difference maker yeah he's a legit difference maker flawless for Um, 50 i also think 
the fact that the Rams have such a good defensive line will help them in this regard. Will help the Bengals in this regard. They wasted early downs against the Chiefs. This wasted. Yeah, like, like just early like down runs. Just yeah. early down runs that didn't even work, didn't have a chance of working. It was almost like the body blow thing, which is what Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan, those guys did the early run thing at the beginning of the season, got more aggressive as the season went along, and then totally that plummeted against, mm-hmm. against the Chiefs. They went right back to early season uh, Zach Taylor. And I think that they know there's not even a chance that this would work um, against, the, against the Rams' defensive line. And I think that they're going to be more aggressive. They're going to pass more, I hope, than they did against the Chiefs. Yeah. And you won't see the same level of having to come back because Burrow is going to be able to um, establish an early lead. I very much agree that the the obvious weakness is so exploitable and so clear that the Bengals have a really good plan for it. I just also think the Rams the Bengals have a second weakness and a third weakness. And I think the Rams are well suited for that, right? Like typically when the Bengals have been able to get pass protection, they've been able to punish teams with high chase targets, especially down the field. The Rams have Jalen Ramsey. If there is a corner in the league who can cover Jamar Chase one-on-one, it is Jalen Ramsey. Uh, you talk about those those uh, those early down runs and that tendency to, to, to be an early down run team. The Rams are not a good run defending team, so you're going to want to get into your early down runs. You're going to want to do it that way. You're going to think that that's exploitable, and then you're probably going to end up taking the ball out of Burrow's hands more than you should and relying too much on a running game that doesn't really work. Like I think that while like the evident mismatch is the right side of the line versus Donald and Vaughn, I think there are other less evident but still meaningful matchups that also skew the Rams' way. So even if we do get quick game distribution point guard burrow still think the rams are in this thing still think it takes two stafford throws to get a two-score lead and all of a sudden you know ball game's out of whack who's stopping the scamper troy reader baby ever heard of him wrong undrafted free agent from montana state (laughs) he's scrambling uh (laughs) the thing that i was thinking about during that game is the afc championship it was like early down running was like catastrophe mitigation it's basically they don't care i mean they obviously care but you know they recognize they're getting zero yards one yard negative one like it's like they're they keep doing it they keep going to it because a sack on first down in that situation is actually worse than taking just like a one yard gain or whatever even though you're setting up your team for a long second and long third down at least you're not in second and 18 after a sack so like i think that was part of the reason that they kept sticking with it it was basically just like they understand that their offensive line is massively overmatched in this in this game we just don't want to put ourselves in too bad of a situation and i think that we could see the same thing happen with uh in the super bowl with the rams um but you know i, I it's just one of those things where can this work twice in a row or in like you know as yeah. ben was saying like three or four times in a row I, I just don't know so that's what i'm worried about for the for the Bengals. I'm worried about Matt Stafford's consistency as well. Yeah, okay. I mean, that's, so, that's like, the yeah. funny thing. Is like yeah. Another one of my big things coming into the playoffs was doubting the Rams because I didn't think Stafford could string together the three games that he has since strung together. The, bo- both these teams are going to play awful games on Sunday. <laughs> it's going to be 6-3. to three. Yeah, exactly. I honestly think, I think it's going to be low scoring. Uh-huh. I do think it's going to be ugly early. We have to remember, there are a lot of players who have never played in a Super Bowl currently playing in this Super Bowl, right? Like, the Bengals have nobody offensively that's played in a Super Bowl before. Obviously, the Rams are more veteran, and they've had guys who have been here, but notably, their quarterback has not had experience in the Super Bowl before. I wouldn't be surprised if we see mistake-riddled football early, and this thing feels really ugly, especially with two coaches that like to run the ball early, too. And then eventually, we kind of get a levy breaks, and this thing wakes up second quarter. Danny, what's the first thing that's not the game score that you're predicting? So I know this is low-hanging fruit, but I'm going, Von Miller is going to have a game-changing play. 
whether that's a forced fumble that turns into a turnover, a uh, turnover like a fumble six or whatever, or just like a crucial sack. I think that is going to be the matchup where where he's rushing opposite, uh, you know, uh, Aaron Donald and those clutch key situations. Obviously, I think that the Bengals are going to be set up in um, a good amount of third and second and third and longs, and so that's going to give him the opportunity to really tee off. Um, the other thing that I think is just so funny about Von Miller is like he kind of went on cruise control to end the regular season, and then he's like taking his game up a notch. He's he's basically so I saw this from Next Gen, Next Gen Stats. He has doubled his QB pressure rate from the regular season to the playoffs. So it was 9.8 in the regular season. Now it's 18.4 in the playoffs. So um, we've seen him just like basically activate and be like, look, I want to win a Super Bowl. I've had a good long career. I want to do it again. Um, and obviously, you know, he's had a ton of success in the playoffs mm-hmm. in the past. And I think he just kind of like goes to that next level God mode in the playoffs. So against a offensive line that's really struggled on the right side, I think Von Miller is going to be a huge, huge key. And obviously Aaron Donald is going to be someone that uh, the Bengals have to focus on. And I think that's going to benefit Von Miller too. Ben? Yeah, so I I'm, I also have a Von take, which is substantially <laughs> further along, where I'm predicting Von wins MVP and becomes yes. like the sixth player in <laughs> okay. league history to be a, a two-time MVP. Yeah. But we'll table that one because we've talked about Von. I'll say that I think uh, Odell Beckham Jr. has a bigger day than Cooper Cup. Mm. And I think T. Higgins has a bigger day than Jamar okay. Chase. I, I actually had the T. Higgins over Jamar Chase. We all Chase did. Too. I had we that, too. Yeah. Right. And, and, and Fine, I'm flipping it. Jamar Chase for MVP. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kevin just going full contrary. Yeah, just yeah. asking us our takes that he can subvert. No, no, I'm yeah. kidding. I'm kidding. So the, the T. Higgins over Jamar Chase is a very clear and understandable take. It's something a lot of people have talked about. Ramsey's ability to play on Chase is the potential to eliminate him one-on-one. Yeah. In the event you don't get that, then you do have to get safety help to Rams. You have to get safety help to Chase. They can move Chase into the slot and kind of attack you that way depending on where you want to put Ramsey in your run fits and in your zone coverage yeah. all of this to say is the dude that's consistently on the outside for the Bengals is T Higgins and the dude that's consistently on the outside for the Rams is Darius Williams and teams in the playoffs this year have loved Darius Williams he's been their favorite player on yeah. the Rams <laughs> he's really yeah. regressed and, and that's the thing is he had a really shaky start to the season what, is, there a, is there a reason he's regressed yes okay uh he was a sixth-round pick who was able to hold down that second corner job under Brandon Staley. Uh-huh. And I actually talked about this with Sharp like way, way, way back in the middle of the season. When you go and you install a new coordinator and you try to run the same stuff, like, all right, Raheem Morris is running the Brandon Staley stuff, the big dials stay the same. The big signals, oh, they're running, like, the Rams run more too high and less one high than any team in the league. Oh, that's like what Brandon Staley did. Oh, sure. they're running, like, tight front stuff, bare front, they're running boss fronts, whatever. It's the little dials. It's the small adjustments. It's the technique that needs to get taught. It's, it's, it's the communication across the secondary that lost John Johnson, right, that lost Troy Hill that changes. And that's where you see a player like Darius Williams, who was made tenable by the entire spirit, the entire philosophy of that Brandon Staley team, suddenly he's on an island more he he needs to be more than he was when Staley was there making the small adjustments right and he isn't that talented of a player right he was a sixth round pick like he isn't that caliber of a guy and so hit the small things that you lose going from Staley to Morris are reflected they're magnified in the play of Darius Williams he had a rough start to the season kind of settled in the back half of the season and now in the playoffs I mean teams are just hammering him right T. Higgins is a very clear advantage over Williams, Williams, especially down the field. Williams struggles to find the ball in the air. He struggles to play through contact. That's where Higgins is the best. On the other side of the ball, uh, we've seen Odell have this postseason surge that Danny was talking about with Vaughn Mm -hmm. from Next Gen Stats 
weeks 10 to 18, uh, Odell was open on 35% of his routes. In the playoffs, that's up to 61%. He was averaging 1.3 yards per route run. Now it's 2.5 yards per route run. Uh, they get him on the backside of all their concepts. They put Cooper Cup on the front side, and they say, all right, send all the zone defenders you want Cooper Cup. Play mm-hmm. six over three. Play six over four. We don't care. Odell. Right, we have this guy now. They've never had him before. They didn't have him with Robert Woods. They didn't have him with Brandon Cooks. Like they were in this style player who could win one on one outside the numbers on vertical routes. Uh, Cheeto Awuzie and Eli Apple are the two outside corners for the 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 Bengals, and you like Odell against both those matchups. I think so much attention will be given to these star receivers, two of the the three, four best performing receivers this season, that the wide receiver twos become a lot more important in this game. Yeah. What's your T against take, Danny Kelly? Yeah, I mean it's basically the same thing. It's I think T. Higgins, if he wasn't on a team with Jamar Chase, would be getting so much more hype and so much more love. Obviously, he, you know, people recognize that he's a very good player, but um, what he's done in his first two seasons is really remarkable too. Um, and he ha- he's kind of just like a unique player. He's very long, very tall, um, fluid though, and he can like sink his hips and get in and create separation. He's good at the catch point, um, good in the red zone. He can go deep. He's got like a, a really complete game. Uh, but he's just not Jamar Chase, so people, you know, yeah. obviously. And are he's not. been up and down this year. He's had dropsies and kind of yeah. rolling consistent. And so I just think he's going to be the type of guy who really steps up for them. Um, I just think he's a baller, basically. And I think just based on the fact that if the Rams do end up uh, shadowing with Jalen Ramsey on Chase, like that's just going to open him up to to really do his thing. We've seen him, you know, post ten plus catch games in the past. So that was my prediction: T. Higgins ten plus catches. Um, I just think he's going to be um, the outlet for Joe Burrow uh, when he's trying to get ball, rid of the ball quickly. Um, you know, he's got that advantage size over basically anybody. So, yeah, that's what I like about Higgins. Do you want to unload your Von Miller take? I was right. So, uh, a defensive player to win MVP right now. The top two are Aaron Donald at plus sixteen hundred, Vaughn at plus four uh, four thousand. I think Vaughn, like I think Donald's more likely to win it, but I think those are mispriced. I think Vaughn should be considered. There's higher. a lot of luck involved. Yeah, because it's turnovers. That's what it is. It's exactly. And right, when you go right. and you look at, as Kevin's saying, the history of defensive MVPs, Larry Brown, right? You're seeing Malcolm Smith, Vaughn. You see, right? Malcolm Smith, <laughs> Ray Lewis. What on earth was that? Random. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it should have been Cam Chancellor, yes. but whatever. Ray Lewis won it, and ESPN, like, there's an there's an ESPN site you can land on that's, like, all the Super Bowl MVPs, and they have an explanation of what they did. And the Ray Lewis explanation is, let a dominant Ravens defense. Yeah. No stats. No, like, <laughs> 12 tackles. Yeah. One phone, just let a dominant Ravens defense. So defensive player is highly subjective. Um, but Vaughn has already run, won it once. Uh, he won it Super Bowl 50. It's the last time a defensive player won it. It would be hilarious if he won it again, especially because there are only five players who have been uh, multiple-time Super Bowl MVPs, Brady, Eli, Montana, Bradshaw, and Starr. So the fact that you would have five quarterbacks and then just, like, Vaughn Miller for two separate teams six years <laughs> apart on it, to me, yeah. is delightful. Yeah, Do you yeah. know how many solo tackles Ray Lewis had in that Super Bowl? Who are they playing? The Giants. 16. Three. <laughs> <laughs> two assisted. He really for five set you up combined. for that one. I really made me think that, like, I would be an idiot for not knowing. He had 137 combined tackles during the season. Went ahead and had three. That's funny. Rough. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash ringer NFL. Just go to indeed.com slash ringer NFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Crown Royal. This NBA season, Crown Royal is celebrating the loyal fans that show up for every tip-off and also celebrating the people who drink Crown Royal during games. I know I like to have some around whenever I'm taking in a basketball game, an NBA game. Always good to have around. And Crown Royal believes if you live generously, life will treat you royally. Visit crownroyal.com to get ready for tip-off. Please drink responsibly. Who's the most important coach in this game? I mean, I don't mean it yeah. could be a head coach, but it also could be a position coach. I don't care. Give me a coach who's going to make a difference. I mean, I think McVay has to get, you know, the, the Patriots Super Bowl off his back. He has to get that. He said he overprepared last time. Yeah. And I think that was, let's like a That explains point why we saw him just hanging out whatever. at the beach earlier today, right? Just really? Driving. No. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I don't so. know. So what if he's overcorrecting? Tuesday before the Super what Bowl. What if now, what if this year's Sean McVay is market correcting three years ago Sean McVay? Would be a great story for us. He just, <laughs> he just blew the week off? Tons of market correcting, yep. So I, I just think, yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to have to come in and, um, you know, so like you mentioned, it's going to be like a weird sloppy game to start the game and then the, the dam is going to give or whatever, the levees are going to break. Later in the game, I think he's going to have to show that he can, you know, react um, to what the Bengals are doing on offense or on defense, and you know if they're dropping eight or if they're dropping seven, if they're doing if they're doing something that they're not expecting, how can he react to that? Is he going to be able to like you know play that game of chess where he didn't he wasn't able to do that against Belichick, and that's still just going to be a talking point. I know that it's not necessarily completely his fault they lost that game, but um, it's definitely one of the big talking points from that Super Bowl. And you know he I don't know if he's really proven that he he has changed. He has the ability to like manage game late in the game. Um, and and make the right decisions when you know all the chips are down. So I think that's just huge for him from a narrative point of view. But also just they, if they're going to win this game, it's going to be because they make second half adjustments. It's interesting because Ben the McVeigh question. So he was really in his own head after he lost to Belichick yeah. a couple of years ago, and it was interesting. I already mentioned how we thought he was overprepared. You know, we talked the other day over text. We were talking about, okay, well, the Rams have so much Super Bowl experience, the Bengals don't have any. Like, the Rams' Super Bowl experience is getting alphaed by Jason McCourty. Like, I, it just, it, it, it was not positive. And I wonder, Sean McVay did so much soul searching after that loss. He talked to um, Andy Benoit and a couple other people and just basically said, I got out coached, all that stuff. It was funny. I was just talking to another reporter who was in the locker room after that game. And they said that everybody took the blame. Everybody went full McVeigh after that. Goff said it's entirely my fault. McVeigh said it's entirely my fault. Right. Everybody did it. And it's going to be interesting to see how that approach changes now that they've had two years to think about it. McVeigh approaches this game how and does what on Sunday? I think this approach is microcosmic of the Stafford trade of the last three years or whatever framework you want to put on where McVeigh came into that game with the certainty that he had the X's and O's that could win out that could beat the Jimmys and Joes he had the solution he had the skeleton key and to a degree this offense has become the skeleton key right we just saw Mike McDaniel get hired to be the head coach of the Miami Dolphins that now means at this point a third of the league is either coached or coordinated on the offensive side of the ball by this offense right it has become the skeleton key but the two guys who spearheaded it, McVay and Shanahan, both this past offseason made a run for Matt Stafford. McVay won. McVay also then beat Shanahan in the, the NFC Championship game and is here. Stafford has become this keystone of this idea that, like, all right, this offense works, but when it's two weeks of prep and the other team's got 11 Super Bowl-caliber defenders on it, it's got a Super Bowl-caliber defensive coordinator on it, 
we need something more than this, right? And for McVay to say it's all his fault is appropriate, like it's right and, and whatever, but what's reflected in the next three years of football is that he discovered he needed a better quarterback to run what is necessary to not just win in the regular season, not just make the playoffs, but win through the playoffs and, and land here. I expect them to come out and be extremely pass-heavy. People are worried about their, mm. their, their being, them uh, relying on the running game. We've seen that a lot since Cam Akers has come back. I don't think we see it. I think they come out and they're very pass heavy. I'm not sure it goes great. I like you know their their passing game in the first quarter of the last few games has not been super good. It usually picks up after a couple mm-hmm. of drives. But I expect them to be very pass heavy. I expect them to be very like not like trick play heavy, but they're going to throw a lot of counter punches. They're going to throw a lot of stuff you haven't seen yet because the entire issue for McVeigh coming into that game was everybody's seen my stuff and I don't have the necessary counters ready. So I think they come out, they let Stafford throw they let Stafford shred and they run stuff we haven't seen before because this is why you went and you got the Ferraris take it out of the garage at this time and let it purr the Ferrari let it purr baby if if we're looking back on this game Ben I'm just curious like what do you think is so obviously with Belichick he came up with a defense well he didn't come up with it but like they utilized the defense where it was like we're taking away their wide zone offense they can't run the ball they can't do all their play action play action off of it do you think there's a something that we haven't seen from the Bengals that they could do in this game that would like slow the Rams down. Obviously that's like a huge high level question, but um, like if you had to guess right. what would be something that you'd point to like so that, it's that not they so, pull. It's not so much a haven't seen so much as it is the drop eight stuff. Like we know they do it. Yeah. We, like I said, we really have very little uh, number of dropbacks of Stafford throwing against it, right? And right. the Rams would love to be able to run against it. The one thing I think you will see the Bengals do that teams are usually very reticent, very fearful of doing is I think they'll play true tight front. When we say tight front, we mean one guy head up over the center mm-hmm. and then two more defensive uh, linemen just inside of the tackles usually teams will play those three guys and then they'll put edges on the outside, right? Outside linebackers. It's a bare front, five guys down. Mm -hmm. The Bengals want to drop eight. So I think they're going to put those three dudes on the interior and say, we're not really trying to rush the passer right now. Right. And that's the thing is NFL teams hate running tight because they feel like they don't have a true pass rusher. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bengals do it, especially on like, you know, first and 10, like on their third downs, they're going to want to rush fast. But like on first and 10, I wouldn't be surprised if they just sit in it and they say, we're telling you we're dropping eight. We're daring you to run the football. We're taking away the interior gaps. And we're going to try to win this game with Vaughn Bell and Logan Wilson. And that might not feel great, but it means the Rams are trying to win this game with Cam Akers and Sonny Michelle. Yeah, you yeah. like that exchange. Yeah, yeah. Danny, if you were parachuted into the Bengals team hotel right now <laughs> and you got five minutes with Zach Taylor, you would emphasize what to him? Oh, man, that's tough. Um, I honestly, I would probably tell him to like get away from the early down running. Like, just go for it. I, I, that was I, I understood why they did that last week and like what. Which is why it's just mitigating I didn't the sack, mitigation, it. mitigating the sack thing. Like Fear if, of the man on the other sideline yeah, as well. Sure. Yeah, and I think it was just a matter of they don't want to start out the drive in a sack. And I think I don't know if that's just not the way that you're going to win this game. I think like being cautious and being um, conservative in that way. Um, you know, if Ben's right, then and the Rams come out like swinging. You know, we could see a situation where they fall into a big lead, and then you can't really count on the Rams completely falling apart in the second half like the Chiefs did last week. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, like, I would just say, and this is just general towards any coaches, but, like, just be aggressive, you know? Just, you, you can still run on first down, but don't run on every first down. You know, every single first down. This is very much a dance with the one who brought you game. It'd be yeah. really nice to think that, oh, this scheme thing we did was why we're here. You're here because of Burrow and Stafford, baby. Dance with the one that brought you. That's also why I'm picking the Bengals. Like, I like Burrow in that scenario. Love Burrow. Yeah. I think so. that, I think that I, as a defense, looking at, at the Rams receiving core and against Stafford, we feel like if they're, if they're throwing the ball in first and 10, we hate that for us. Right? If this, I'll put it to you this way. 
I tell you the game is a shootout. You think the Bengals are winning a shootout over the Rams? Yes. I think, I think any close game, I take Burrow. The thing, the thing to me is, if we get into shootout territory, that means dropbacks for Burrow. That means hits. That means a, hits a crew in the fourth okay, quarter. Okay, I understand that. What I would say is that for the next 10 years, I don't like Burrow taking hits. Burrow's comfortable taking hits. He's real comfortable. And and, and he's going to, like, we, we talked about that yesterday. There was a kind of a completely insane quote. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> you're, I, you're so confused about whether or not I'm going to go there, and I'm going to go there right now. There's an athletic piece up right now um, where they quote unnamed coaches and evaluators. It's a really good piece where they ranked uh, Burrow, Allen, and uh, Justin Herbert. And one of the quotes is about Burrow, and it's from either a coach or an evaluator, that said he's he'll take hits. He's like a general who's yeah. like, we'll take some casualties in order to win the war. <laughs> it like used, like Patton. It used like yeah. right, like what appeared to be like a direct quote from a general, but like made no sense in the context. <laughs> no, of the I war. mean it made sense that the way, he's fine sacrificing human lives. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But but anyway. Um, Point being, <laughs> this has gone off the rails, and I love it. Point being, there's actually some validity to that in short samples. If you're talking about the fourth quarter, Burrow's comfortable hanging in the pocket and getting the crap knocked out of him. The problem is, Ruiz and others have talked about this. We live in a post-Andrew Luck society, right? Mm. Like that is not sustainable. They have to solve him, but I don't think him dropping back is necessary. I think they, they still have to get the ball out quick because Aaron Donald and Von Miller are going to take his take his head off, as we discussed. Um, but I think that that if it comes down to to dropbacks, I still think Burrow can manage it. He can right. process very quickly. And all you need to do, he throws into tight windows better than almost anybody in football statistically. He's good with that. He can throw guys open. Okay, so counterpoint. He took nine sacks against the Titans and then was extremely quick to release, extremely shallow throw, and absolutely was too early to his checkdowns against the Chiefs in the very next game. So for me, the last three weeks— But is that a bad thing? Yes. Oh, no, no. I just meant like that was the adjustment they had to make, and they won. And, and they did, but I would not describe the passing game that we saw from the Bengals in the first half as, like, good against that Chiefs team. Against the Chiefs. Yeah. Right. Um, with, uh, that was the adjustment uh, they had to make because they knew their limitations. Kind of what I talked about earlier. I think that a thing that's getting lost in the, the, the Bengals' improbable and tremendous win against the Chiefs is that Burrow, who gutted it out, really didn't play that good of a game. That's the thing is, is this, this team won, but Burrow really, like in terms of advanced analytics and in terms of the tape, didn't have one of his better games. Like I'm used to seeing Burrow play better than that. I thought he would. I think he will against the Rams just because his average game is better than that. Sure. But I'm saying that after 20 weeks, after the, the game he had against the Titans, and if, if you start to get some early pressure, Donald and, and, and Vaughn and Leonard Floyd, I can see this ball coming out quick, and I can see the ball coming out to the checkdowns too early, which is what a quarter's defense like the Rams run wants to make you do. And if this thing becomes a shootout, and I have one quarterback throwing 15-yard digs, and the other quarterback throwing negative three-yard f- flares, I want the 15-yard digs. I want Stafford. I want the quick score now, as opposed to just Burrow running a point guard offense. I don't like that in a shootout as much as I like what the Rams can do. It was interesting because uh, in Peter King's column today, Zach Taylor basically said that Burrow was was calling most of the big plays in overtime, um, and so it is incredible how they've just let a second year quarterback run the whole offense. It's amazing. I think you're like he's not even a second year quarterback when you consider he tore his ACL last November. Right, like it's he missed. Unbelievable. I completely like forgot about he's that. Like, he's like he's like one and a half years in. It yeah, Nora, and he runs the Nora initially made this point, but it is such a testament to Zach Taylor and Call- and Callahan that they saw what they had. And said, we'll get out of the way. So many coaches would not have got out of their way. And, like, we've spent a lot of time criticizing Taylor mm-hmm. for, like, the way his offense works and whatever. But, honestly, kudos to him for saying, all right, the best thing to do is let let him let the Bronco buck. Yep. Let him let him run it. It's incredible. Worst co- I do not, like you, think 
all that highly of Zach Taylor. I right. don't I don't think he's a particularly great coach. But what I will say is that lesser coaches would have screwed this up. Better coaches would have screwed this up because they would have said, our system, our yeah, scheme, yeah, yeah. got to do X, Y, and Z. I, I think that's a legit great boon. It's a feather in Zach Taylor's cap. Yeah, and we've written on the ringer this week, like, Zach Taylor's not running the McVay offense. Yeah. Not happening. It's not happening. Um, but anyway, I think that the Burrow, the, this thing with Burrow is that he has such a command of this offense, he's such a command over the entire team, that even when he plays um, – not as well as he as he has like last week. He's still like it, everything still runs through Burrow in the sense that like he's actually calling some of the plays. Right. That the story a couple weeks ago about his headset going out and him just running, basically running his own playbook. I love these legend creating stories. They're I so mean, good. they're all yeah. true. They all get swept up in the narratives. When the narrative is this quarterback is able to overcome almost anything, yeah, yeah. and has created a culture for a franchise that has been broken for large parts of the last years. He makes 40 them years. believe, right? Like, he makes his teammates believe that they're always in the game. Can we get some, like, violin music in the back? Yeah. Can we get some, like, um, There's a crescendo building yeah, right yeah. now. What kind of Spotify rights can we get right now? <laughs> yeah, come on. Just drop can we get Hans music. Zimmer or whatever to do, like, Hans? some score here? Big Hans? Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. <laughs> Everyone is big first name now. <laughs> yeah. Zimmer is tough to pronounce. How tall do you think Hans Zimmer is? 6'2. <laughs> I don't know. We'll look into you it. You just asked that. I love that. You do He's the trivia five, without knowing it. You know, there's like an old thing in the legal world never ask a question that you don't know the answer to. <laughs> yeah. I'm the exact opposite. <laughs> You're just, just curious. You just I'm want just to curious. know. Yeah. I've never, I have no grasp of anything I've ever asked about. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. So the Saints just hired Dennis Allen. I don't know. This was kind of expected. Right. DK? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just continuity is good, obviously. And, um, you know, they get to keep a guy who's done a really good job with their defense, so that's obviously a good thing. They're still going to have to figure out what's going on on the offensive side of the ball, clearly, with quarterback. Yeah. Um, obviously, with Mike Thomas, and if he's coming back, I, I don't know. And then, obviously, there's a situation with Alvin Kamara this week. So there's a lot of question marks on offense, but I think it does give them continuity on defense, and, and that's important for them going forward. Benjamin? Yeah, I also would have hired Dennis Allen because my defense was horrible when I hired him. And then after he was there for a couple years, my defense was good. And then it just stayed good forever. And that to me is like how <laughs> coaching works. You know what I mean? Like that's just like to me, like like there's a, a such a clear way to see in, in New Orleans how he came in, how he developed some of their, their younger players and some of their, their you know lower draft picks, but then also... Uh, brought in the big draft picks, brought in the free agents, installed them, and, and delivered a good defense. It's also a modern defense, right? Like, it's not like, oh, Gus Bradley really coaches cover three well. He does quarter stuff, right? He does man-match stuff, like the stuff that we all lose our minds over, right? The, 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 this is a, is a good defense, and it's a good hire. And I think that the, the head coaching experience he had with the Raiders will hopefully allow him to kind of sidestep a few potholes that maybe he hit the first time around. And so I very much like the hire for them. How close are the Saints? 
Like, can the Saints be good? It's a fascinating question. How close are the Saints? It helps that the uh, the division that they're in now no longer has uh, Brady, so that's helpful. I wish Ruiz was here so I could make a Matt Rule joke. You Ruiz, still make Ruiz a Matt didn't Rule show joke. up because he was triggered by the by the Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Joe <laughs> yeah, Burrow piece in the Athletic. <laughs> I mean, he's decided to stay home. Who's going to win this division? I think you could still point at the Saints and be like, they have the most Saints. Talent. Saints yeah. were a, a, a half of Niners-Rams football away from making the playoffs this year, right? Yep. The Rams finished the job up yeah, 17. But the seven seed. We've yeah. all agreed the seven seed is not a real playoff I spot. have not. I'm fine with it. <laughs> you like it. As, listen, as a fan of the playoff bound Then why, where, Eagles, why weren't you getting upset when, when, uh, when Matt Nagy got fired? He made the playoffs last year. Yeah, but he's a bad coach. <laughs> Again, super, wins don't matter. Super Bowls don't matter. Your playoff spots don't matter. <laughs> don't matter. Um, Just vibes. No. I think the Saints, the Saints are certainly close in the sense that they can do something really well consistently uh-huh. that most teams can't do, which is play defense. Defense is typically not very sticky. Uh, they've been a top eight defense in I think the last like five last seven years. Barnwell tweeted it out earlier. Like they have been a consistently good defense. That's going to help them win eight games a year. Period. Get a couple of lucky hits on offense, and we're cooking with gas. It's just how many of those lucky hits can yeah. you get. Yeah. The idea of who's running this offense is really interesting to me. Like if they retain Pete Carmichael and kind of try to keep the same stuff cool for continuity also you don't have drew Brees, and you have to become comfortable with that idea you, you have to back with Taysom. run it back with Jameis. now we're i mean that's gas. yeah <laughs> it's probably better run it back with Jameis. now we're cooking with gas that really how we want to put out Jameis was good he's like second in epa per play when he was healthy epa per play is a team stat epa per play they should hang banners <laughs> yes like the dvoa banner for the seahawks yeah, yeah. just now epa per play because we've we've to show that time has passed uh, in other news if you want to call it that lovey smith was it looks to be hired by the houston texans mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this happened very quickly i don't know what's happening i'm confused and scared danny kelly help me understand i'm shrugging also because I think just the timeline here has been confusing, and obviously, like, oh, you mean you were confused by Adam Schefter <laughs> saying the Texans are zeroing in on on Lovey Smith? They're gonna interview him later, and then he was hired like three hours after that. Yeah, yeah, you were correct. confused. Correct. Yeah, you were confused. You were confused by, by, confused by Nick Casario yeah. not committing to Lovey Smith returning as the defensive coordinator during the end of season presser, and then five weeks later hiring him as the head coach. Yeah, what yes, part yes. of that is confusing to that, you, Danny? That, all of that is confusing. Um, I'm actually still confused because have we actually heard one way or the other? If it's official, or are they still going to interview him? I, I will say no. They interviewed him last night okay. or this morning. Okay, right. I it's, will say it's done. Yeah, the, okay. the big the big people are tweeting out graphics with Lovey Smith in the them. Big so people. I believe it. Okay. So everybody says it's done. Jay Glazer said it's done. I don't. I, have I seen it? I don't. I don't see an official tweet, but it's expected to happen. So it's done. The deal is done. Yes. Although with the Texans thing, who the hell knows? <laughs> um, this is weird, Ben. Yeah. So do you all remember when Lovey Smith was the head coach of the Bears, and then like that went. Well, and then badly, and so then he became the head coach of the Buccaneers, and then that went badly. So then he became the head coach of the Fighting Illini, Fighting Illini. Yeah, and Fighting that Illini. went badly. <laughs> and then the Texans were like head coach. One thing I noticed last night <laughs> is that you said, do you guys remember? Yeah. If you ask them if they remember the Bucks tenure, they don't. Because right. most people did not. Most yeah, people thought it Bears went Bears-Illini. Illini. Yes. No. No. 20, he had a extremely... 2014-2015 Buccaneers. Uh, and was supplanted by Dirk Cutter. Yeah. And so when, you know, Dirk Cutter's a better option than you, you're not in a good spot in terms of, like, general head coaching outlook. Which turned out, by the way, not to be a better option. He was just the same. Yeah. Just offensive <laughs> right. instead of At defensive. some point he looked like it. Um, yeah, okay. Lovey 
is out here just running spot drop cover two in an NFL that can't persist anymore. He's always been billed as a great players coach. I have no doubt that he's a great players coach. Uh, I'm sure that's why David Coley brought him in because he was respected. He could work with NFL free agents. But in a league in which 31 other NFL teams are aggressively hiring young offensive minds in an attempt to, you know, maximize rookie contract quarterbacks or like, you know, go flamethrower with these elite sure. passers the Texans are like maybe we let Davis Mills run it another year and we see if Lovey Smith can get like John Grenard to extend and that's just they're just like playing a different sport not in the good way they're just playing a different sport in the bad way I just don't really understand why they moved on from Cully in the first so, place so that, yeah, that's, that's like, the point I want to make yeah speak on it I mean that's to me the, the big question here is okay if you're going to hire Lovey Smith why did you fire Cully who outperformed in it like every area then that I think anyone predicted based on like the the talent on this roster and how that they were you know just everything that was going on around the Texans no one expected them to be as good as they were and then he got fired and now they're hiring the defensive coordinator I don't I don't know it just doesn't make sense to me so I guess I'm confused because it looks like for the last two years the Texans have done the same thing which is run a botched coaching search and mm-hmm. then hire a guy that didn't that, that that was the last option and let's let's call a spade a spade why is it botched because every year Jack Easterby wants to hire Josh McCown. Right. And every year, eventually, somebody convinces Easterby, this is probably not a good idea, Chief. Can I give constructive criticism to both Josh McCown and the Houston Texans organization? (laughs) Please. Can Josh McCown, on his way to becoming the eventual Houston Texans head coach, work one day as a football coach full-time? He's coached the high school level when he was an active player. So yeah. he was a part-time, I think, Monday assistant. And he was like the Eagles still backup quarterback. He was the time. Eagles backup vibes, quarterback. He was flying to Charlotte. I believe it was Charlotte. So why don't we, instead of trying to hire Josh McCown every offseason, if Josh McCown had spent a year this year as the assistant head coach of the Texans, they could have just promoted him. Hire Josh McCown right now. We'd still make fun of them, but it would be at least better and easier. Yes, because <laughs> we would have said, oh, well, he spent one year. Like right. th- everyone was like, well, what about Steve Nash? What about Steve Nash? Yeah. The Mets are in the play-in right now. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> also, it's a different sport. <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah, like I, I just like right. It's a different sport. It's also not working that well. Also, it's Josh McCown. It's like it's not, it was baseball not Steve Nash career. Baseball people too who, right. who don't have who aren't uh, established. They come from you know Gabe Kapler or whatever. They just come in from uh, from TV and it's fine. It's like a different sport. Coaching is a different deal and everyone's like well he's in NFL locker rooms okay lots of people are in NFL locker rooms like I just it's they keep running the same failed coaching search over and over again and I am not convinced that we won't be here next year with the same exact oh, if, if a, if a, thing happening if a book set right now the odds for who the head coach of the Texans didn't start 2023 Josh McCown is a favorite over Lovey Smith absolutely yes that's more likely to occur just work one day <laughs> work one day as a coach Josh McCown that's and all you, you need to do. Coach, right. And then you can you and Jack Easterby can rig the next job. You can do it. There's what you try to do the last couple of months. You can do it <laughs> and you can get away with it. But you couldn't get away with it yet because you haven't worked a day as a head coach. You know what they should have done? Tell me they At the beginning done. of the search, hired him as assistant head coach and then promoted him. With, and he could have just <laughs> right. worked for like three weeks. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 After what we've seen from him <laughs> going through the interview Home process. Run. Yeah. Love it. All right. Anything else, guys? I'm excited for the Super Bowl. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm excited for Mike McDaniel, Miami. Oh, yeah, that's going to be fun. Big fan of 49ers running game plus Big Miami's Mike. Miami's refusal to draft any good running backs. Going to be good. All right. Thank you to Chris Sutton for production help with additional production supervision by Arjuna Ramkapal and social work by Pat Muldowney.
This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. 